This is Andy Purawal for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by promoter Bob Aram over Zoom. Bob, first and foremost, how are you doing? Very good, very good. good well, to... nervous but confident that uh, tomorrow uh, we'll be rid of uh, the idiot who's president of the United States and we'll get a good president, Joe Biden. Uh, we'll leave a political talk to one side, Bob, because I'm not obviously, um, unfortunately, not from your side of the world, so I haven't been keeping up with what's what. That's all I can really think about. <laughs> uh, Bob, let's obviously move on to some boxing talk, a, a lot to kind of get through, but let's go back to the show this past weekend. Knowing you had once again impressing with his stoppage victory against Jason Maloney, just reflect on his win for me, Bob. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, the guy is lightning fast. He knows how to box. He throws unbelievable punches. He has quick, fast hands. And I've never seen a bantamweight uh, with the power that he has. Uh, some uh, uh, old-timer like myself said there was once a Mexican bantamweight. I would thought maybe Oliveras or somebody like that who had that kind of concussive power, but I've never seen a Bantamweight hit as hard as uh, in a way. But he's the whole package. He's really, really, I mean, he just blew everybody away. And Jason Maloney will beat most Bantamweights. He's a tough, tough Aussie. And uh, in a way, handled them uh, quite easily. I mean, with your new way, everybody knows about just how strong and powerful he is. Given that he, do, he does carry those assets, you know, how many weights do you feel that he'd actually be able to go up in and kind of do what he's doing at Bantamweight further up the divisions? I don't know. I don't know. Is it, he, he seems like he's a pretty big guy for Bantamweight. But remember, he, he started as a flyweight, I think. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, he has good people with him in Japan, and they'll, they know him better than we do, and they'll uh, guide us as to when or if he should go up in weight. Away from obviously moving up in weight, what is kind of next in your eyes for Noi Inoue? We know that the Casemiro fight had previously been agreed, and because of COVID, it had to be postponed. Do you think that's a fight which will be revisited now? Yes, definitely. I mean, Casemiro is, you know, is a really, he doesn't have the skills that Inouye does, but he's a tremendous puncher uh, for a Bantamweight. Uh, and that would make a very, very good fight. Uh, and uh, another possible fight would be that uh, the winner of uh, Donaire and that French Moroccan kid, who's, uh, uh, I think he's the BC champion. Uh, so that fight is going to take place in December and what's his name, Odelby or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, uh that's a good opponent. Uh, if it's Donaire, uh, Donaire gave him a hellacious fight in the first fight. So a rematch would be, you know, uh, very popular. On, on the card as well, we saw Michaela Meyer defeat Ava Brodnicka to pick up that WBO title. What, what did you make of her performance, Bob? 
she's getting better and better. She's really with terrific boxing guys like Al Mitchell and Coach K. And they don't treat her just like as a woman. They treat her as a boxer. And she is improving her skills every single fight. Uh, she's not quite the complete package, but she's getting there. And she told me the woman she wants to fight is this woman, Harper. And I'm not an expert on women's boxing. I don't know all the, I mean, uh, I, I don't know all the, can, the champions and contenders, but she apparently people tell me that uh, Michaela and Harper would be a terrific fight. It would be a good fight indeed, Bob. Uh, Terry promoted by Eddie Hearn. She has to face her mandatory challenger next on November 14th. But provided Terry is victorious, is that a fight between Michaela and Terry you would look to make? Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, we'd be open to uh, doing it on either side of the Atlantic, you know. I mean, we feel comfortable having our fighters fight in the UK. And the UK fighters like Hell Brook are comfortable coming over here and fight. How key do you think it is that you just mentioned you're comfortable having a fighter travel over to the UK and vice versa with UK fighters going over to America, especially in the pandemic currently? How key and important do you feel it is that fighters are willing to do that? Well, it's difficult. It's difficult. Uh, you know, for example, the Japanese have a tremendous difficulty because they can do fights in Japan, but if they bring opponents from outside Japan, there's a mandatory 14-day quarantine, and it's enforced. They check on you. You got to stay practically locked up in a hotel suite. So it's very, very difficult to arrange a fight. Uh, Murata, the middleweight champion, uh, was supposed to fight at the end of the year against an American opponent, and they scrubbed it because of that quarantine problem. So I don't know if the UK has a quarantine problem. I don't know how rigorously they enforce it. We don't have a quarantine problem. Kelbrook is over here. He got tested before he left the UK. Uh, he will be tested again before he's allowed to go into the bubble and will be tested a second time uh, at the weigh-in. Just whilst you're mentioning kind of the precautions, Bob, and the testing and what have you, are you guys kind of, and same with any promoter really around the world, are, are there um, like kind of measures in place where say if one of the main event fighters was to unfortunately test positive for COVID, there is a backup fighter in place or is it kind of just hoping that that doesn't come to fruition? You know, you, you know, you do a Crawford Brooks fight. How do you even get a backup fight that you would put in? So we have had situations uh, because we've done 32 fights in the bubble, 32 events where a main event guy fell out or an opponent for a main event guy, and we've able to got a substitute or we've had to postpone the fight, move the semi-main up to the main event. We've had to do that. Moving on to another fight I want to touch on, Bob. We haven't spoken since uh, 
Tiafi Malopez's victory over Vasily Lomachenko. Just kind of take me back to that week and that win for Tiafi Malopez. He really kind of established himself as a superstar in the sport now. Yeah, he's a. See, I knew how powerful and how quick uh, Lopez was because he's done all his fights under our promotion. But I never realized uh, how much ring intelligence he had and what a great boxer he was. He showed in the Lomachenko fight that he could handle anybody with his boxing ability. Uh, everybody looked up to that point at Lopez as a slugger, you know, very dangerous because he was very powerful. But he proved in the Lomachenko fight that he had another dimension to his game. And that's going to make him uh, a big star uh, in the years ahead. We know Vasily Lomachenko has had uh, surgery on his shoulder. Once obviously that's healed up and he's back in training and he's back fit, what is kind of the plan with him moving forwards? I haven't talked to them. I've talked to his manager. Uh, we're going to let some time go by. He's not going to be able to start training until uh, mid-January. So we got to, you know, no sense rushing it. I don't like to start engaging in discussions uh, because I want everything to settle down and let everybody figure out what they want to do. That goes for Lopez and goes for Lomachenko as well. So again, we're coming towards the end of the year. Our dance card is filled through the end of January and, uh, and we'll go slowly. Some another thought which took place uh, over in the States this past weekend, Bob. I want to get your thoughts on his Javante Davies's victory over Leo Santa Cruz. What were your thoughts on that? And I know you don't want to speculate about thoughts, but is about between Javante Davies and Tifima Lopez something that would interest you guys? Well, Javante Lopez, uh, I didn't see his performance because uh, Javante Davis, I mean, I didn't see his performance because I was okay. in the bubble with the interweight fight. But uh, apparently it was spectacular. I know Santa Cruz is a really good fighter. And the fact that he knocked them out. And I believe that Javante Davis is, is a top fighter. So down the line, uh, yes, I really believe uh, a Lopez-Javante Davis fight would be very attractive. And uh, I think uh, Floyd, uh, who manages or promotes uh, Javante Davis uh, agrees that that would be the case. Now, whether it be right away or later, later next year, that remains to be seen, but certainly that would be a terrific fight. Moving forwards, Bob, and obviously onto the heavyweight division, there's a lot to kind of talk about up there. Um, let's start off with kind of Alexander Usyk. He defeated Derek Chisora this past weekend, and he's the mandatory for Anthony Joshua. Just looking at 2021, we've spoken before about Usyk, uh, sorry, Joshua versus Fury taking place. Because of Alexander being the mandatory, do you think that will hold any issues with regards to about between Fury and Joshua? I don't think so. I think Joshua, first of all, I don't know if Joshua beats Pula. That's the first thing. If he beats Pula, I don't think Joshua is going to be deterred uh, with the Usyk situation. Like, 
you know, who cares? Everybody would realize that Joshua and Fury are the two, by far the two leading heavyweights in the world. So I don't think the fight would be diminished if they stripped Joshua of his BO title and Usyk fought uh, uh, the, uh, Du Bois if he beats uh, Joyce. So, I mean, I like the heavyweight, to be a unified heavyweight champion, but the way these organizations are, that may not be possible. I mean, Usyk, you got to understand, is one of my favorite people. He is very intelligent. He's got a great sense of humor. Uh, and I've always liked him. And I, I know him very well because he's best friends of Lomachenko. Uh, so I, I only want the best for him, even though I have no promotional interest in him. But it seems to me as good a boxer as he is, he's way too small for the heavyweights of today. You mentioned, obviously, the potential between Dubois and Usyk if um, the WBO title was to be not either stripped or if AJ was to vacate. How do you think that fight would play out, Bob? Would you fancy Daniel kind of his natural size to cause him the issues or would you think Usyk would naturally have too much experience and his ring craft would pay dividends? I don't think he's big enough, uh, Usyk, to fight Dubois. And Dubois, I think, is heads and shoulders above Cesaro, who gave Usyk a hell of a fight. I mean, Usyk, you know, outboxed him, but never hurt him or anything. If if a heavyweight can't hurt his opponent, the chances of him, he can still win, but the chance, the window of him winning is, is, is very small. Moving on to something that's become a, a very big talking point uh, about the video came out on Saturday, Bob. Uh, I know you know what I'm going to uh, move on to now. Uh, Deontay Wilder coming out and suggesting or, and accusing Tyson Fury of cheating in their rematch in Las Vegas back in February. Uh, mentioned that he, he feels that there was you know, something heavy in Tyson's gloves and he, he, he was all tampered with and what have you. Just kind of what are your thoughts on, on Deontay's accusations? Well, you understand, and we are inured over here in the States to people lying. Donald Trump has taught everybody how to lie and how to use conspiracy theories. This one is preposterous. It's preposterous because it couldn't happen in Las Vegas, because in Las Vegas, in Nevada, the gloves are factory seal, four pairs of gloves. And at, after the weigh-in, each side picks its main glove and it initials it, and the backup glove, its initial. The gloves are then taken by the commission and put in a secure place. Nobody can get there. The night of the fight, an inspector goes into the dressing room of each fighter and gives him the gloves that he has signed for each fighter. And those gloves are put on over the wraps that have been signed by the fighter in the presence of two inspectors. So there is no opportunity 
for that to happen. I don't know any place else, but I'm telling you in Nevada, it couldn't happen. So for a fighter to use an excuse like that and say that the gloves were tampered in, if it was any place else, maybe it could be conceivable, but in Nevada, it's absolutely impossible. The, the, the fighter has no opportunity to tamper with a glove or put something in. Look, Wilder, something is wrong with Wilder because in addition to that, he made another statement that somebody put something in his water and he blamed Mark Breland, who is his trainer, for doing it. Now, is that insane? He's gone insane because his time uh, for doing a Fury fight has expired and he's out there and he's got to work his way back into contention like any other fight. What did you make of his comments calling uh, Mark Breland a disloyal trainer, Bob? Well, isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? You know Mark Breland. I know Mark Breland. Mark Breland is an exemplary person. He has had a great amateur career, a great professional career. He's an upstanding guy. Why would you call him disloyal? Because he saved your life? You were about to get killed and serious damage. And, 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 and look, the referee, how's he attacking the referee? I thought the referee sort of was siding with him. You know, it gave him every break in the world. How much of a surprise was it for you to see that video come out at the time it did, Bob? I imagine that was probably only a few hours before your show started on Saturday. Um, how much of a surprise was it? Because we know Deontay hasn't said anything up until that point. Well, it's not a surprise because I'm not surprised by anything. It, the, the adjective is despicable. Any fighter doing stooping to that, to do it, is despicable because... If anything, he has defamed Tyson Fury, who not only didn't do anything wrong, but couldn't do anything wrong under the circumstances in Nevada. It is despicable. But again, in this country, they're taking lessons from Donald Trump. Um, just to stick with Tyson, Bob, we've seen Frank Warren come out today and say that um, an offer's been made to Ajit Kabayel and ideally within the next 24 hours, uh, the contracts would be signed for them two to meet. Can you just kind of confirm that for me and just kind of tell me why Ajit Kabayel was the chosen man? Well, I think it's, he, he, you know, he, he, on short notice, you had to get a top contender. You look at the WBC top 15 and about 10 of them are not available because they either just fight like who's fought like who's sick or they just got beat like Cesaro just fought. They're going to be fighting uh, in, the, in the next uh, few weeks. So we only had about five available and uh, Ajit is the best of all the five. Big guy, Tyson wanted a guy who wasn't small. So that knocked out uh, Carlos Takem. Uh, knocked out Oscar Rivas. He wanted a tall guy getting ready for the, his, the supposed Joshua fight. So uh, Agit's going to give him a good, good uh, test. Uh, he has a win over Cesaro. Uh, 
uh, and he's undefeated uh, and he sees a great opportunity. So it's going to be a, hopefully the contracts get signed. It'll be a competitive fight uh, and it'll be shown on BT pay-per-view uh, in the United Kingdom and uh, in the United States, it'll be on ESPN plus and on a Saturday afternoon or early evening. If Caboyal uh, Fury is confirmed, Bob, who do you think has a tougher fight there, Fury versus Caboyal or Joshua versus Pulev? Well, I'm Pulev's promoter, and I think Pulev's going to beat Joshua. I don't think Agit's going to beat uh, Tyson Fury. Uh, just moving forward, final thing, Bob, obviously we're only about, what, 10 days or so away now from Brooke Crawford. Yeah. How do you see Terence, uh, Terence Crawford back in the ring? Yeah, well, Ter Terence is a great fighter. You know, he has that ability to go from Southport to Orthodox in the middle of a round, in the middle of a punches. Uh, he's, he's, he's the whole package. But Brooke is naturally bigger, and he's been in with great American welterweights uh, like Shane Porter, who he beat, uh, and uh, like Spence, who, uh, you know, who uh, uh, beat him because... Uh, Brooke's eye was damaged. Brooke's eye is now 100%, the orbital bone. Uh, so I think it's going to be a great fight. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I, I obviously I favor my guy, uh, Crawford, but Brooke's in there with a big chance. I'm sure you'd have seen it, uh, Bob, obviously, it makes no difference to you. But what did you kind of make of the? interactions between Eddie Earn and Carl Brook kind of in, in various interviews about the fact that they haven't worked together in making this fight with Terence. Well, I don't understand, you know, the politics over there. I mean, I have enough problem with the politics over here. So, uh, uh, you know, we arranged for the fight to be shown on premier sports, uh, whether I, uh, through pay-per-view uh, on Sky or... Uh, through pay-per-view on Virgin TV or to sign up as a subscriber for uh, Premier Sports. So I'm happy that UK fans will have an opportunity to see this match and a really nice uh, 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 match between, uh, 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 between uh, uh, Andrew Maloney 115-pound challenging uh, Franco beat him. There's a rematch. Uh, it should be a good show. Bob, we'll leave that there now. I'll leave you to enjoy the rest of your day. I will catch up with you soon. And thank you for giving up some time to speak to me and Boxing Social. Okay, good talking to you.